Once more, I welcome all of you to worship. I ask you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. First, Matthew chapter 13. Then we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 18. So get ready to follow along in your Bibles with me. From now till about Easter, I'm going to be in the Gospel of Matthew looking at the way Jesus preached and listening once more to some of the sermons of Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, tells us something very interesting about Jesus and his preaching ministry. This is what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 says this, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like this when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Scripture says, Jesus never spoke without using a, a parable. Parable is a, is a word that you're probably familiar with if you've been to church much, or maybe you've, you've heard about it in, in other literature classes, something like that. But the word parable is a Greek word, and, and the Greek word is parabole. Say that. Say parabole. Parabole. You know a Greek word, parabole. has two parts. Para, the first part of that simply means alongside. Think about parallel lines. It's that idea of something alongside something else. The last part, bole, is a verb that means to throw like a ball. So the word parable, parabole, parable simply means to cast alongside, to throw alongside. So when Jesus would preach, very interesting, he would take a story, a kind of ordinary sounding story, but he'd throw it down alongside your life in a sort of a parallel way. Throw that story down alongside your life. So you're listening to the story, not so much thinking about your life at first, but then in the course of the story, in the course of the truth of the story, Jesus reveals truth about your life. He never spoke, Scripture says, without a, without a parable. First one we'll look at is in Matthew chapter 18. This is the message for today. Parable sometimes called the parable of the unforgiving debtor. This is a story about forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough. We don't talk about it perhaps as much as we should, especially going by the importance that Scripture places on our forgiving. A very practical lesson from Jesus this morning about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. Follow along with me. <clears throat> then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? 
Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whoa. In 1930, in the Chicago newspaper, there ran a story about a man named Harry Havens who, that particular day, got out of bed. Basically, that's the whole news story. Harry Havens got out of bed, but the interesting, the part that makes it news is that Harry Havens, at that point, had been in bed for seven years. He'd been in bed for seven years, and he wasn't sick, he wasn't bedridden, it was his choice. He stayed in bed for seven years with a blindfold on, and that was the news. He finally got out of bed. As the story went, Harry was one of those guys back in the 30s, one of those guys who actually cleaned house. Back in the 30s, men did that, I suppose. Cleaned house. Harry cleaned house one day, and his wife criticized him. She didn't really like the way he had done it. Back in the 30s, women would criticize their husbands like that. Times have changed. She criticized him, criticized him. And it made him angry because she didn't like the way he did things. And so he got so mad, he said, I never want to see you again. I never want to lay eyes on you again. And instead of just leaving her like some people would do, he just went to bed and put a blindfold on. I'm not making this up. He went to bed and put a blindfold on and he said, I'm going to stay in bed for the rest of my life and I will never look at you again. And he put the blindfold on and he stayed there seven years. And then one day after seven years, he just got out of bed and came out, took the blindfold off. That was the news story. So the reporters asked him, why now? After seven years, why do you get out of bed today? What do you think he said? No, she didn't die. He simply said, the bed was getting very uncomfortable. The bed was getting very uncomfortable. Isn't that crazy? That sounds so crazy that a man just out of spite, out of a, an, an argument, an everyday small little argument about housework, he would go to bed for seven years just to spite her. How do you think that turned out for him? Did he really do any damage to her? Not nearly like the damage he did to himself. For seven years, a man wore a blindfold. In other words, he didn't see the sunshine. He didn't take any walks in the snow. He didn't read any books to his kids. That man had a miserable seven years, and he did it all thinking he was going to settle the score with his wife. That's crazy. It's crazy, and after seven years, even he got a little bit tired of it. Do you understand where this leads us? Unforgiveness will make you nearly crazy. Unforgiveness will push the pause on your life, and there is no moving forward if you don't learn to forgive. There's no moving forward for you. And honestly, some of us in this house today, some within the sound of my voice, your life is sort of stuck. Your spiritual life is absolutely stuck because unforgiveness will block your heart. Unforgiveness will ruin you. It's a kind of prison. It's a sickness. It is something that must be dealt with. It's a simple fact. We live in a world full of people, imperfect, cantankerous, selfish people, just like you and me, which means it is inevitable that we're going to hurt one another. 
It is absolutely inescapable. Somebody along the way is going to hurt your feelings. Somebody along the way is going to disappoint you. Some point along the way, your friends are going to let you down. And you've got a choice to make. You've got a choice to make because you're going to be hurt. And I'm going to be hurt. And sometimes I'll be the one doing the hurting. And so will you. It's a fact of life. And God knows that. So since God knows that God has designed in the whole universe a, a remedy for our pain, a remedy for the wounds that other people cause us, and that remedy is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And forgiveness is God's remedy, and it's supposed to be used every single time somebody hurts you. Every single time you're disappointed, every single time your heart is wounded, you forgive. Every single time time. Now our, our problem is forgiveness is a pretty good theory. It's a pretty good concept when we just think about it in the abstract. But when the moment comes and it's time for you or me to do some forgiving, it's hard. And we have a tendency to think that we are somehow the exception or our situation is exceptional. Brother Tim, you don't understand what she did to me. You don't understand how badly I hate him. You don't understand. I promise you, I don't understand. I will never understand what other people have done to you. I will never completely stand in your shoes or be inside your skin. Nobody's going to understand your pain like you understand your pain. But you've got to realize that we all may understand something of the pain caused by the fact that you don't forgive. You're causing your own kind of pain. You're inviting something into your heart that does not belong and you have to forgive. Your situation is not exceptional. You are in no, in no way some sort of example that God never dreamed up. You have to forgive. It is the remedy for every, every single instance of pain and woundedness in our hearts. We forgive in every instance. Now, let's stop for a moment, though, because honestly, we need to talk to, to some of us in the house because there's always that kind of person that gets their feelings hurt a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. You know what I'm saying? It seems like there are certain people who set the alarm and get up early and just wait for somebody to come by and disappoint them, just wait for somebody to make them mad. You know that person? I, I'm telling you, sometimes I am that person. The person that just wears their feelings on their sleeve. The person that is so easily offended. And honestly, some of us, we are those people. So easily offended. And, and, and in that case, I've just got to say two words to you. Grow up. Just, just grow up. Forgiveness is a very major, major issue we're talking about today. But honestly, some of the things that, that you're upset about, forgiveness hardly even applies. Growing up applies. Some people get mad over the smallest of, of things. You get mad because somebody at church doesn't shake your hand? Are, are you kidding me? You get mad because a couple of your friends went out to lunch and they forgot to call you? Are, are, are you kidding me? People get mad because other people drive slow or somebody's in the grocery lane with 15 items in the 10-item in the lane. Oh, come on, grow up. Are you kidding? Are, are you kidding me? People get mad over bad breath. I, I'm not making this stuff up. You know that. There are people who live like that. And now, honestly, uh, one of the signs of real maturity in your life is that ability to distinguish between the very forgettable offenses and the unforgettable offenses. And most offenses are entirely forgettable if you'll just grow up a little bit. 
if we just get a little bit of maturity, honestly, we carry way too much stuff in our hearts, some things that shouldn't even be there, even for a moment, just let it go. Absolutely let it go. Grow up. It's a sign of maturity to know what is really an issue, what is really something that would wound your heart, and really understanding when you're hurt. A lot of us just simply need to gain some maturity. But, but, but now honestly, as I said, inevitably, our hearts are going to be wounded. There are going to be real instances of pain. We're going to cause those for one another. And there's no way forward but to forgive. Notice what the scripture says. There are great lessons in this parable about forgiving. Now when you're reading the parables of Jesus, again, they're parables. So they take some interpretation. And people get wild interpreting stories like these sometimes. I just want to help you from getting so wild. And when you're reading one of the parables of Jesus, look at the context. Pay close attention to whatever it is that comes right before Jesus' story. Pay attention about who he's talking to, and then notice how he answers them. In this case, Peter asks a question. Now, Peter's question comes right after Jesus gives instructions about how to handle conflict between believers, conflict between you and another person. Jesus explains what to do when you're angry with someone or someone's angry with you. And after that, after those instructions, Peter asks a question in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And that's where our scripture begins today. Understand, in Jesus' day, in Peter's day, the rabbis taught about forgiveness too. But the rabbis did give you a number, and they said three times. The Jewish rabbis in Jesus' day said if someone comes up and they offend you, the first time you forgive them. And if they come back and do it again, the second time you must forgive them. And if they come back the third time, you must forgive them. You have to forgive three times, but when they come back the fourth time, you can blow up on them. You can let them have it. Forgiveness is no longer required after three times, the rabbi said. That was their standard. So notice Peter. He knows what the other people say. He knows what the religious people do, but Peter says, Lord, how many times should we forgive someone who offends us? Maybe seven times? See, he doubles it and adds one from the rabbis. Peter, you think, is really making progress. He's really upping the ante here, maybe seven times. Remember, in the Jewish mind, seven is the number of completion and perfection. So Peter's maybe wondering, maybe it's seven times. If I forgive someone seven times, then that should complete my obligation to continue showing them mercy. But what does Jesus say? Peter says, maybe seven times, and Jesus says, no, but maybe Seventy times seven or something like that. The Greek is hard to translate, but the message is rather clear. What Jesus is saying here is don't even bother keeping count. Don't even bother keeping count. We don't keep count. It's your first lesson in forgiveness. That hurts, doesn't it? You're not going to keep count. What if somebody comes to me and they offend me and I forgive them? They say they're sorry and I forgive them. And they come back in a week and they do the same thing and want my forgiveness again. And they come back and they say they're sorry, but they do the same thing over and over and over. I mean, pretty soon, I'm going to just start assuming they're not sorry. And if they're not sorry, I don't have to forgive them, right? We're not even keeping count. Do you understand that? 
We're not keeping count. We don't keep score. If they come back and they keep coming back and they're sorry and they're sorry and you forgive and you forgive, you just do it as many times as it takes. You just keep on forgiving. That's the standard that Jesus raises for us. You don't even keep count. There is no limit to the number of times you'll forgive. Why is that? Why would Jesus say that? Because that sounds impossible. Jesus says you forgive without keeping count because that's the way God forgives you. That is the way that God forgives me. I'm telling you, I continue to commit the same sins. I'm a 44-year-old man. I'll soon be 45. And I'm telling you, at this time, I'm not staying up creating new sins. I don't have energy or imagination to invent new ways to sin. I'm just doing the old things. I just continue to sin in the same ways that I have sinned for years and years and years. And I'm telling you, I am sorry for it. Don't say I'm not sorry because I am. And I go to the Lord and I repent and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I don't ever want to do that again. I never want to break your heart like that again. But what do I do? I do the same sin again. And I might do it quicker than you'd imagine. I mean, I continue to go back to the same sin over and over and over. And of course I'm sorry. I despise myself in those moments. But I'm telling you, every time I go back, God forgives me. And I'm telling you, by this point, I would have a long, long record of the same old sins in my life. But God's not keeping that record. It's amazing. He does not keep a record of sins. And neither do we. Don't even bother keeping count, Jesus would say. Notice how the story goes. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. Verse 27, then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and, say the words, forgave the debt. He forgave the debt. We're talking about millions of dollars that he owes. And the man comes and falls at his feet and says, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. I will get extra jobs. If you'll just give me more time, I will work. I'll pay you a little bit every month. And honestly, if the master said, okay, I'll accept that. You just pay me what you can along the way. And eventually we'll say, is that what the master does? No. He just simply says, forget about it. Let's just call it even. But it ain't even. You understand? He owes millions, millions of dollars in debt. But the master says, I tell you what, forget it. Just forget it. My friends, that is Jesus' picture of forgiveness. That's what it looks like. You simply cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. That means you give up your right to hold it over their head. Are you listening to me? You give up the right, the prerogative to hold it over their heads. That means that you no longer continue keeping up with all the emails and you no longer keep up with the, with the cell phone list. You no longer continue to build your evidence in case against them for the day when you want to come back and let them have it. Because you give up that desire to come back one day and let them have it. You cancel the debt. You let it go. That's what the scripture says. You let them off the hook. That's forgiveness. That means that you no longer are allowed to walk around, even if it's in your own heart, and argue with that person in your head. Do y'all do that? 
You don't outright hate people, but you just sort of have them in your head. They live rent-free in your head, and you argue with them all the time. You just tell them off in your head. You'll probably never have these conversations in real life, but in your head, buddy, you just continue to let them have it. You know what I'm talking about? You wouldn't necessarily do anything bad to him, but you just sit back and pray, oh God, get him out in public and then let his bowels loosen. You know what I'm saying? In your head, you just continue. And you might be so friendly and you might be so phony, but in your head, this is what lives there. And this is what the scripture says. This is what you're letting go. You cancel the debt. You forgive. Completely forgive. Why? Because that's how God forgives you. Aren't you getting the pattern here yet? That's how God forgives you. The scripture says that when God forgives my sin, he casts it into the bottom of the sea. It also says that he casts my sin as far as the east is from the west. Don't you love that? Because you ever thought about that? If you've got a world globe, picture it right here, a world globe. And if you start out going north, the scripture doesn't say my sins are as far as north is from the south. Why not? Because if I set out on a globe traveling north, and I travel north, north, north for a long time, pretty soon what? I'll be going south. In other words, if you go north long enough, eventually you find south. But if I'm in the globe and I start traveling east, when will I ever find west? Never. East and west never ever meet. And Jesus says, your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. In other words, for as long as you live, when God forgives your sins, you're not going to run across them again. He's not going to bring them up. The devil will bring them up. But why are you listening to the devil anyway? I'm telling you, you will never come across your sins again. They are gone. Your debt is canceled. That's how God forgives. And that's how you're supposed to forgive others. It's what the scripture says. It goes so far as to say, if you will not forgive others like this, then you won't be forgiven by God like this. It's not an option. The big principle of this parable, though, don't miss it. It's very, very simple, but very profound. Your debt toward God is much greater than anyone's debt toward you. When Jesus tells this parable, honestly, I think he intends to make a joke. I think he's being funny at the first part. He says in the process, verse 24, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. If you look at the Greek here and do the math, this guy, Jesus says, owed his master about $10 million. Now, we're kind of used to numbers like that because, because we, we have our federal government. That's the kind of numbers that we hear all of the time. But, but understand, in Jesus' day, that's an impossible number. Jesus might as well said a bazillion dollars because nobody in that day could ever, no one could possibly have $10 million worth of debt. This is an impossible number in Jesus' day. They say that if you took all of the money that belonged to the Roman Empire at its highest point, took all of the money in all of the coffers of Rome, that the most the emperor would have ever had would have been about, in our day, $850,000. Even the Roman emperor wasn't a millionaire. Do you understand how the numbers are inflated in our day? When Jesus says $10 million, that's impossible. It's almost laughable. It's like saying a bazillion 
This guy owes another guy a bazillion dollars. And the fellow just forgives him, outright forgives him. But then he walks straight out and he finds somebody who owes him just a little bit. And he says, you better pay me now. He won't forgive. And the master says, you wicked servant. Your debt toward God is like a bazillion. You understand what I'm telling you? It's like a bazillion. God forgives you every single day, and every single day you fail him and you disappoint him and you break your promises to him. Every single day you disobey him and God continues to forgive you. Your debt is like a bazillion. And so the scripture says that if you're not willing to forgive those who have the smallest little debt toward you, the smallest little offense, no matter how large it seems to you, don't you understand? Your debt toward God is always much greater. No one is ever going to be indebted to your forgiveness in the way that you're indebted to God's forgiveness. It's not an option, friend. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Brother Tim, you don't understand. You don't understand what she did to me. You don't understand how he let me down. I, I promise I don't understand, but you've got to hear me. You've got to forgive because this lives inside your heart. Your lack of forgiveness is not doing anything. You're not settling any scores. You're not punishing anybody but yourself. One person has said that to forgive is to set the prisoner free, only to realize that the prisoner is you. You've got to set the prisoner free, and the prisoner is you. You've got to forgive, and it's hard. I know it's hard. Real quick, let's talk about everyday forgiveness. How does this look? How is it going to work in your life? Number one, write these things down. Number one, let's talk about some things forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Please listen to me. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I can't forget. I won't be forgetting. I know what you've done to me. I know what you've said about me. I know, and I'm never going to forget it unless I'm like in a soap opera and get conked in the head or amnesia. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't forget. Nobody forgets. I don't know why people think that forgetting is even an option. It's just not. You've hurt me, and for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to forget, and that's why forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness is not the same thing as forgetting, but forgiveness is necessary for the simple reason that I can't forget, and I won't be forgetting, so I've got to forgive. You understand what I'm saying? Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not the same thing. So don't play that game in your head. You won't be forgetting. That's why you have to learn to forgive. And forgiveness is not making excuses because sometimes you see people who do that. They've been hurt, they've been wounded, they've been taken advantage of, they've been mistreated, but then they'll just turn around and make excuses for the one who is to blame. And that's not forgiveness either. That's not forgiveness. That's something cheap, that's something else, but it's not forgiveness. It's not making excuses. When I hurt you, I have to be honest about that, and I can't make excuses for myself, and you can't make excuses for me. That's not forgiveness. That's something else. Forgiveness is not avoiding conflict, and some of us would just say, okay, I'll forget about that. I'll forgive. We do that as a waste so that we never have to deal with the issue between you and me, but it's not avoiding conflict. Forgiveness is something else. It's hard work. It doesn't mean I'm never going to talk about this. We're never going to deal with this. Forgiveness is dealing with it. It means I'm not going to step around this. We're not going to act like this giant thing is not between us. We're going 
to deal with this. We're going to bring this wall down. That's forgiveness. Some of us will just try to avoid conflict, but like I said, we carry it in our heads. We carry it in our hearts. We have arguments with people in our heads, and we continue to nurse and lick our wounds. And I'm telling you, that's not forgiveness. It's not avoiding conflict. Listen to this, though. Forgiveness is also not necessarily reconciliation. Now, now listen, Reconciliation would be the ultimate goal of forgiveness. I would hope that always, if you and I, our relationship is broken, I would hope that we could have forgiveness and we could come back together. That is reconciliation. But forgiveness doesn't always result in coming back together. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not the same thing. Sometimes reconciliation just is not going to happen. For one thing, if I've sinned against you, in order for us to reconcile, I've got to be honest about what I've done to you. And sometimes that person won't be honest. Or sometimes that person is simply not going to care. They don't want your forgiveness. They're not going to respond to you. Sometimes reconciliation is not going to happen. Sometimes the person you're trying to forgive is dead or gone or absent in another way and you will never have the privilege of sitting down face to face again. But I'm telling you, forgiveness is still an option for you. Reconciliation is not completely up to you. That involves the other person's choice just like yours. But forgiveness is an option. It can happen in your own heart. God commands that it happen in your own heart. And if reconciliation doesn't happen, at least forgiveness brings that spiritual healing that your heart needs. It repairs the relationship between you and God. It puts you back on a healthy spiritual path. Forgiveness is always an option, even though reconciliation may not be. Let's talk about some things that forgiveness is. This is everyday forgiveness, not the perfect kind that you imagine. This is the kind that's going to happen in your life. Everyday forgiveness is slow. It's slow. It kind of happens a little bit at a time. It's not going to fall on you like a ton of bricks out of heaven. It just doesn't happen that way. Chances are you're going to have to make a decision to forgive, and then for a while you're going to have to continue making that commitment, even though it's difficult. You're going to have to make that decision to forgive, and you might have to make it again tomorrow and make it again the next day because it's a hard decision to make, and it's a very hard process to begin. But I'm telling you, it's still an option for you, even if it's slow. Take the time. Don't expect a, a, an instant kind of forgiveness, but recognize it'll happen. It'll just probably happen slowly. It's slow, and it's messy. Forgiveness is always messy. You're going to forgive, and you're going to forgive from your heart, but there still might be some anger left over, and that's part of it. I promise as time goes on, that anger will lose its grip on your heart, but that hatred that you've carried for this amount of time, that hatred becomes a habit, and it's a hard habit to break. It's going to take time, and it's going to be messy. It's just messy, a lot of mess left over. And you'll sit back down with that person. And even after you've agreed to forgive, there'll still be some mess involved. And you'll want to say, why did you do it? And they'll say, I don't know why I did it. And you'll say, how can you not know? And then the person will say, how come you stopped talking to me? I stopped talking because you yelled at me. I didn't yell at you first. You yelled at me first. And on and on and on it goes. Well, you unfriended me on Facebook. Well, you unfriended me first. And on and on it goes. Don't you understand You'll never resolve that stuff. You'll never, ever unscramble the egg. 
It's going to be messy, and sooner or later, you're just going to have to step on into forgiveness and put it all behind you. Let it go. You'll never get all of your questions answered. You'll never, ever resolve all of it. Just simply forgive, cancel the debt, let it go. It's messy. It's slow. But it's possible. It's always possible. And not because of me and you. I promise you, it is not in my heart to forgive people. It's in my heart to hold it. To hold on to it. My heart will seize on pain like a trap. And it's hard to let it go. And I'm the kind of person that I'll continue to fake it. And I'll smile at your face. But every time I see you, I will continue to feel that pain and that anger. It's not in my heart to forgive. And honestly, it's not in your heart either. This is not something that human beings do very well. But it's something that our Heavenly Father does extremely well. It is his work. It is a miracle that he brings. And for every single one of us who will open our hearts, he'll work that miracle of forgiveness in us. It won't come from you, but it will come from him. And it will always happen. It's always possible if you will make it your choice to forgive. It's always possible. Max Licato tells a story about a man named Daniel who was this huge gorilla of a man, enormous man, whose brother had swindled him out of a large sum of money. And Daniel said that he was going to kill his brother, and he was capable of doing it physically, and he was capable of doing it mentally. He was going to kill his brother. This was not a threat. It was a promise. And Daniel fantasized about how he would do it. He was going to walk up to his brother and simply take his enormous paw of a hand and grab his brother by the throat. And he wanted to look him in the eye and choke the life out of him and stare at his eyes as he died. That was his plan. And he meant it. He meant it. Daniel became a Christian. He confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior and gave his whole heart to the Lord. But even after that, he would not forgive his brother he would not forgive. And even as a Christian, he would still say, when I see him, I will put my fingers at his throat and kill him. The day came. He was walking down the street. It was a busy street in the town where they lived, and he saw his brother coming. And the moment he saw his brother, he felt it in him, anger. He said he felt heat, literal heat, rise up into his head. His head got hot. And he felt his muscles clench and his fists clench. And he was ready to take him by the throat. But he saw his brother coming from the distance. And he said that as he watched him approach, he looked and he saw him. And when he saw his brother, he saw how much his brother looked like their dad. Daniel said, I saw my brother coming. I looked at his face and I saw my father's face. And I watched my brother walk. And I saw in the way he walked the way our father used to walk. And he said, the longer I looked... At my enemy, this man I hated, the longer I looked at him, the more of our father I saw in him. And as I began to see the father in him, I began to see my enemy as my brother again. Do you understand? This person that you hate, this person that's so hard to forgive, if you could look at them long enough, you might see that this is indeed a person that God loves, a person made in God's image. If you look long enough, you might see something of the Father there. I know the person who's hurt you may be a monster of a person, a person who have abused or mistreated you in ways that are unspeakable. I know, I get that. 
but it's also a person that God loves and a person whose sins Christ died to forgive. And a person that if you will look long enough, you may see enough of the Father in them to see not just an enemy, but maybe the face of a sister or a brother. Forgiveness is possible, brothers and sisters. It's possible. Not only is it possible, it's commanded, not an option. If you won't forgive this person, if you won't forgive others, every single day, just forgive, cancel the debt, let it go. If you can't do this, if you won't do this, God won't forgive you. Forgiveness flows to us from God, but then through us to others. It's got to flow through you. When you stop forgiving, it blocks the flow of forgiveness in your life. Some of you right here today, your life is blocked. Your heart is blocked. There's something there, and it is this unforgiveness. You've got to set the prisoner free because that's when you'll realize that the prisoner is you. The prisoner is you. Pray with me. God, thank you for forgiving us. God, you alone know the depths of the dirt in our hearts. You know our thoughts. You know our selfishness. You know the evil that's in us, all of us. And yet, Lord, you forgive us. You forgive unconditionally. You forgive completely. You simply cancel our debt. Lord Jesus, having been forgiven in this way, having walked and lived and breathed the richness of your grace, Lord, how can we possibly turn and not show mercy to anyone else who owes us the smallest amount of debt, the smallest offense? Oh, Lord Jesus, increase our capacity for grace in our own hearts. Remind us what you have done for us and then set us free to do the same for others, to show grace, to show mercy, to simply forgive. God, it is hard work. And some in this house, they aren't entirely sure that it's possible in their lives. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you will show them today that indeed it is possible. With you, all things are possible. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would heal the wounds in our own hearts. Heal us, Lord. Forgive us and then set us free, Lord, to take this kind of forgiveness, this kind of healing into our world. Lord Jesus, strengthen us. Overwhelm us, Lord, with grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.